Thanks, guys. But if you're new to Cornerstone, welcome. Lovely to see you. Um, they shared lunch afterwards. You don't have to provide anything. So if you came this morning and you're like, oh, I actually didn't bring anything to share with anyone, that's okay. We're going to have sausages and bread and stuff like that and sandwiches and sounds actually pretty cool. Um, so thanks for organising that. Sue McElroy organised that for us today. And um, yeah, give her a hand. Yeah, well done. <laughs> it's just lovely to be able to share those times together, isn't it? Um, yeah, so this morning... Oh, what are we going to talk on, guys? Oh, did I introduce myself? I'm Neil. Hi. <laughs> One of the pastors here. And, and blessed to be able to be a pastor here too. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me that privilege. I, was just, I said to Joe last night, I'm like, Joe, I want a funny story for, this, for tomorrow couldn't find one. <laughs> I was looking up jokes. Joe, what about this one? No. What about this one? No. Oh, okay. But I wanted to talk about um, this morning about the Holy Spirit, but the deep work of the Holy Spirit. I think, you know, like uh, there are some places where the Holy Spirit's downplayed a little bit in terms of, you know, maybe even a, a fear of the Holy Spirit. You know, we, we don't need that today we don't need the gifts of the holy spirit we don't need the holy spirit really active it's all about the word of god um, but how can those two be separated may the holy spirit actually breathe that word holy spirit's involved in that word and also the holy spirit's involved in our life and it just seems so sad to me that we as Christians often neglect the work of the Holy Spirit, the deep work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, which leads to transformation. Interestingly, Ashley's reading out that verse this morning in Romans that we're going to read out again, but about this transformation that, that comes to us through Jesus Christ, through knowing him, and that actually as Christians we don't stay the same. We don't stay the same if if we let the work of the Holy Spirit take place in our life. Because the truth of the matter is this, that no matter how true it is that every believer has the Holy Spirit, they must have the Holy Spirit. As soon as you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. From that moment on, you can choose just as easily to not listen to the Holy Spirit, to not open up your life to hear from God himself through his Holy Spirit. You can close yourself down and you can do two things that, that, are, that are terrible and terribly destructive to your life as a Christian. One is to quench the Holy Spirit, that is to throw water on the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit in your life and go, you know what, I shouldn't be too excited about what God's doing I shouldn't worry too much about the work that the Holy Spirit's doing in me. Let me just throw some water on it. Life change begins to happen and, and you're like, no, no, that can't be right. Um, let me just douse that a little bit. I've got to quench the Holy Spirit. It's like, you know, your thirst when you <laughs> quench it's very different because it actually gives you life. But when you quench the Holy Spirit, it's like throwing water on a fire and, and it just goes out either to a spark or, you know, this ember that's that's so low and the other thing we do as Christians is grieve the Holy Spirit grieve the Holy Spirit we, we don't often think about that that our lives as Christians affect God 
God the Holy Spirit, so we understand that so if you're new to Christianity, the Trinity is what we often talk about, which is God the three in one, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are God the three in one. And when we grieve the Holy Spirit, it, it stops his work in our life. It's like hurting our best friend. It's like hurting our best friend. Jesus, when he went away, he gave us the Holy Spirit. He said, I'm going to go to the Father and he's going to send another one exactly like me. He's going to come and he's going to strengthen you. He's going to show you things to come. He's going to, going to give you wisdom and insight. He's going to give gifts. He's going to give all these amazing things. And, and we, as Christians, we receive Christ and we don't take part in the transformation that's available to us. And so the Holy Spirit becomes grieved. It's actually painful for God to see the way that we live, to see that we've rejected the life-giving force that is available to us so that we can live our own lives. Imagine that. Imagine if you had the opportunity to ask the wisest people ever that lived in any area of life what the right choices should be. What's the right decision I should make? Where should I invest my money? How should I live my life? How should I bring up my family? How should I love other people? Imagine you had that chance. What's the likelihood that you'd listen to that? I don't know about you, but I've found in my life that there's often times when someone has spoken wisdom into my life and I've just totally ignored it. I've asked for advice and I've gone the other way. For whatever reason it might be, sometimes it's stubbornness. No, you can't tell me what to do. Even when I know it's right. It's like, just because you told me, I'm not doing that. I don't listen. What about you? In your life, have you found that? That someone's given you this amazing advice, you've just totally ignored it? You haven't listened? You've done what you wanted anyway. The thing is, for us as Christians, we have this massive advantage in life that we have been given the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sent from the Father by, by Jesus, the Son, to live inside of us, to help us in our life. And I wanted to just look at some of that today. But what I wanted to challenge us about is, am I open to the deep work of the Holy Spirit in my life or am I shutting myself off to the things of God because of my own selfishness, my pride, my arrogance, my unwillingness to change. The truth of the matter is change is coming whether you want it or not. You might think you can control the change, but you can't really. You can either walk with God... And let that change transform your life and move you into the life of God himself or you can live your own life and suffer the consequences because change is coming regardless. A worker who the boss says to them, listen, if you don't smarten up, if you don't get your act together, if you don't come to work on time, if you don't perform your duties, you are going to lose your job. 
Change is coming whether you want it or not. The choice then becomes, will I change? Will I be the worker that's diligent? Will I be the worker that's here on time? Will I be the worker that does my job? Will I change or will things change regardless? If I don't change, change is coming. If I'm in a marriage, if I'm in, in that sort of relationship and I know that I'm not acting in the right way towards the person that I marry, the person that I promised my life to, and I continue down that road of selfishness, of unloving words, of unkind actions, change is coming anyway. But what we want is the change that comes from God, the change that transforms us into the image of his son. And this is done by the Holy Spirit and us opening ourselves up to his work in our life. And I can tell you right now that just as every Christian must be a born-again Christian, every Christian must be a Pentecostal. What do I mean? I don't mean that you have to go to a Pentecostal church. I don't mean you have to do all the outward signs that some people like, I like, actually. But to say that you're a Christian without the work of the Holy Spirit is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous because the church was born on that day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit birthed the church. The Spirit came upon them and gave them power to be what? witnesses in this world as soon as you take the holy spirit out of our christian living what happens the power to be a witness evaporates it's gone and the holy spirit has been at work and active in this world from the beginning from the very beginning he was there present in creation in fact one of the first verses in the Bible says, And the Spirit hovered over the waters of the world, waiting for God to speak. The Holy Spirit was there in prophecy, revealing the plan of Christ to the world. He was there in the revelation of God's plan in Christ. He was there at the birth of Jesus when he overshadowed Mary and made her pregnant. He was there in the ministry of Jesus when the Holy Spirit came down from heaven and rested upon Jesus before he stepped out. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And he went off and he went out in the power of the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was there at the resurrection of Jesus. The Bible says it's the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead that lives in us. The Holy Spirit is there in the adoption of us into God's family that we know we are the sons and the daughters of God because the Holy Spirit has joined with us and tells our spirit that we are the sons and daughters of God. The Holy Spirit has sealed us for salvation. It's the seal, the promise, the down payment of God, the guarantee that we are going to heaven. It's the Holy Spirit that the Bible says worked miracles amongst us. It's the power of God amongst us. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to be present to resurrect your dead body. Just as it raised Christ from the dead, the Holy Spirit will also raise us. And it's the Holy Spirit that transforms our lives. 
It is so important for us to understand this. Because it's when the Holy Spirit begins to reveal God's deep secrets to us, it begins to strengthen our resolve, but ultimately brings transformation to who I am. And only He can transform us. We are new creatures only through the transforming power of the gospel and the work of the Holy Spirit as we are changed into the image of Christ. Paul wrote to the Corinthians about this. How the Jews were focusing on the law of Moses, but what happened was their hearts were hardening. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16 to 18. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit. Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed in His glorious image. It's all about the veil being removed from our eyes so we can see the truth. But the decision to seek that truth revealed to us and let the Spirit work in us is ours. As I said before, the truth is change will happen in your life regardless. Change will happen in your life regardless, but if you don't change, change will happen anyway. Who are you going to listen to? I was thinking about this in life because life really is unfair, isn't it? Life is very, very unfair. Why is it that I'm in Australia enjoying fellowship on a Sunday? I could be in Europe in a war. Why is it that I'm born into the family that I'm born into and, and I could have been easily born into another one? Let's just face it, life's unfair. But we can only work with what we've got until a certain age when we understand. And here at this point, we need to make decisions that we are going to either change or not change. I was thinking about this in Australia with disadvantage. You know, we always talk about disadvantage, disadvantage, disadvantage. Yet, you know what the government has done? It's opened up the opportunity for education to every person. It's opened up university as a possibility for every person by the scheme that they have to, to grow, to to make a change, to get a better job, to move out of where you are. So why is it that one person born into this situation can change and the other one can't? I think some of it is who we surround ourselves with. Think about it. Those who are negative and, and uh, grumbling and complaining all the time, if you hang around with them for long enough, life's unfair, it sucks... The government sucks, everyone sucks, it's not right for me, I'm stuck. What happens to your mind? It becomes exactly like that. But what about the others? Man, you can get out of this. Let's hang around together, let's get out of it. All of a sudden the transformation can take place because they're listening to the right voice. For us as Christians it's exactly the same. It's what voice are we surrounding ourselves with? How are we opening up ourselves to the Holy Spirit? What is he really saying to us? 
Are you surrounded by God? Are you surrounded by godly people? Or are you grieving and quenching the Holy Spirit in your life? So I mentioned before that that Paul wrote a letter to the Corinthians. I was going to read all of chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians to you in a second. Quite long. Corinth was a funny place. Centre of world commerce, a lot of trade was going through there, extremely luxurious. In the southern area of Greece, and it's almost an island. Not just a commercial centre, it was also a place where there's a lot of philosophy. That, that was their thought in those days. A lot of it came out of Corinth, and, and there was a phrase that, that said this, he speaks in the Corinthian style, which said that they were flair and colour, good orita- orators, sorry, and it didn't matter what they said, just as long as they said it well. So they were attracted to this type of speech. But it was also one of the most debased and wicked cities in the world. Sounds very common, doesn't it? But they were living in open debauchery. And in the Greek theatre, whenever they were portrayed drunk, they would all, always refer to him as the Corinthian. So we're talking about a place where the worldly pressure, the worldly attitude, the worldly way of thinking was entrenched. It's all about money, it's all about looking good, it's all about speaking well, and it's all about living to follow your own desires. And Paul, as he's writing this letter, is looking to change something, change something in their lives. What is it that needs to change? It's the way they think, which is what we heard about in Romans and And we're going to look at that again in a minute. But let's first of all read 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Not all the verses will be on the screen. I'm just going to read it out. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Keep in mind what I just said there about the way that they received speech, what they wanted to hear. Paul says this, When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words, Impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling. My message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Yet when I'm among mature believers, I do speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. No, the wisdom we speak of is the mystery of God, his plan that was previously hidden. Though he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. If they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I just want to focus on that just shortly. But how often have you heard, we can't know God's mind. He's too deep, he's too mysterious, and there are many things we won't understand. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit, for his Spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit and no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we've received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, 
so that we can know the wonderful things that God has freely given us. When we tell you these things, we do not use words that come from human wisdom. Instead, we speak words given to us by the Spirit, using the Spirit's words to explain spiritual truths. But people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them. They can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who can know enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. Did you know that you are able to understand God's deep secrets? What he has for your life, how he wants you to live, where he wants to change you. And here is Paul's writing, as, as I said before, these guys were great orators, they loved it, but Paul said, hey man, I'm coming with simple wisdom. What he was trying to say was this, stop living how the world tells you to live. The way that the world tells you to live is not the way that God tells you to live. And you can know that as a person who is born again and filled with the Spirit of God, the Bible says he writes a law on your heart that you can know it. We can even look at the Bible from a human wisdom point of view, can't we? We can even make laws about the things of the Spirit and grace. And the wisdom we can use can be earthly, unspiritual and even demonic. And so we need to change the way we think. This is the deep work of the Holy Spirit. You see, a man who is convinced against his will is still the same. What do I mean? Simple example. When you're told that you can't do something, and you don't do it just because you're going to get in trouble. You can obey, you can listen, you can not do because you know the consequence. But when there comes a change in your heart, you do it because you know it's what you're meant to do. But it's what you want to do. So for example, the Bible might say, Husband, love your wife as Christ loved the church. And gave himself up for her. Now I can try and do that. But until I want to do that, until there's a transformation in me that says, no, I am going to love my wife that way and I want to love my wife that way, I can do the outward actions. But it never changes anything. Just as when the Bible talks about love, it says, you know what, I could actually give everything I have to the poor. I could get my body burnt for the gospel's sake. I can say amazing things. I can pray great prayers. But if I'm missing love in my life, all these things are useless. And they mean absolutely nothing. Because it is love that compels us to live out our life as Christians the way we're meant to do it. And because it's driven from within by the Holy Spirit, whose one other work is this, to shed or to put the love of God into our hearts, we can't love properly because we do not have the love of God in us. That's what the Bible says. If you say you love God but don't love your brother, you do not have the love of God in you. 
How can you love God who you haven't seen? But not love your brother who you have seen. How can that possibly be? But you see, God has revealed his secrets to us through the power of the Holy Spirit and gives us the ability to change our minds. In fact, he does it for us. And I just wanted to look at that verse that Ashley read out in many different translations this morning. But Romans 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Who transforms you? God. Who changes the way you think? God, ultimately. That's why I like the NLT one there. It sort of really brings out that clarity. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Often we will say, like, it's about me changing the way I think, but you cannot do it without the power of God. Why? Because we are fallen men before we receive Christ, and we don't think the way that God thinks. And understanding his will there, like, some people will say, oh yeah, there's these three different wills that God has. One's good, one's pleasing, one's perfect. And we can walk in any of those things. That's not true. The three are one. The perfect will of God is also the good will of God. It's also the pleasing will of God. It's complete. It's, a, it's not a three-step process, but an all-encompassing revelation into the journey of truth. What is it that God's revealing to us? And when it says at the end of that passage, but we have the mind of Christ, what does that mean? It means that somehow what God wants for us has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. Let's see what Jesus said about that. John 14, 17. He is the Holy Spirit, the one he's going to send. Jesus said this. Who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him but because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him. Because he lives with you now and later will be in you. John 14, 26. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he's going to teach you everything and remind you of everything I've told you. And John 16, 13 to 15. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That's why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Christian, you must trust that the Holy Spirit is revealing God's will to you all the time. What did Jesus just say there? This Holy Spirit that fills you, he's going to take whatever I say, whatever's been revealed to me, and he's going to show you The power of that is amazing. And if you do not allow God to change the way you think, you'll be ever held captive by this world. And what it says is right, not what God says about how we should live and how we should change. 
And I hope that we are a little bit like David in the Old Testament. And Psalm 42 describes it as this, like a deer pants for the water. So my soul longs for thee. My desire for you, God, is so strong that it's like a thirst of a deer that's looking for a water hole at the end of the day. You just need that water from the living God, the living well that will take your soul and restore the things that have been broken, that will move you from this place that you're living into the promises of God. But it takes us to make a decision to turn around and listen to what the Holy Spirit says. Sorry, Joe, can you pass my water up? <laughs> or not, just in my bag there. Break. <laughs> Thanks. I'm just going to read you a, a short story from a guy called Rob Reinow that illustrates the work of the Holy Spirit in his life. Let me tell you again, you don't have to listen. But you can if you want transformation. Rob Reinow, I don't even know if that's the right way to pronounce it, has written a book and it's called When They Turn Away, Drawing Your Adult Child Back to Christ. Why am I reading this? Is because sometimes we know that we need a change. And that change will bring absolute restoration. And this is his story of repentance. The summer of 2004 was a dark chapter in my life. My wife, Amy, and I had been blessed with four children. We now have six. I'd been serving as a youth minister for over a decade. If you'd asked me at that time what my priorities in life were as a Christian man, I would have responded quickly and with conviction. My first priority in life is my personal relationship with God, followed by my love relationship with my wife, my kids come next, and my fourth priority is my ministry in the church, God's spouse, kids, others. Not only did I preach about this prioritised Christian life, I lived it. If the phone rang and my boss was online with a crisis at the same time, the other phone rang and Amy was on the other line with a crisis, where would I go? How would I respond? I would go home. In a crisis, I would not put my work ahead of my wife. Over the course of the summer, the Holy Spirit began to press me with a difficult question. What are your priorities if there is no crisis? During a normal week, where did I give the best of my heart, passion, energy, leadership and vision? When I considered my life in light of that question, I didn't like what I saw. I preached the Christian life, priorities of God, spouse, kids and others, but in my everyday life, the order was completely backward. Others, kids, Amy, God. It sounds so horrible to say it this way, but my heart was at my job. When I was at work, I was thinking about my work. When I was at home, I was thinking about my work. My ministry at church was truly my first love. This was followed by my relationship with my children. I was not an absent father physically or emotionally. I tried to spend time with them and connect them connect with them personally, but I had no plan whatsoever to pass my faith onto my children. As a youth pastor, I had tremendous strategic plans to pass my faith onto everyone else's children. But with the immortal souls that God had trusted to my care, I was just showing up. I gave them my spiritual leftovers. After I'd poured out myself at work, my next priority was my marriage to Amy. After I gave my best at work and gave the leftovers to the kids, Amy got what few scraps were left. This is not to say that I didn't try to spend time with her. 
and do what I could to help around the house, but my heart was not with her first and foremost. I was seen as a strong spiritual leader at my church, while at home I was providing virtually no spiritual encouragement for my wife. Because my life was totally upside down and backward, I was also far from God. I didn't even know it. It was a dark summer because I had to admit that the life I thought I was living was a mirage. I was not a man who put my ministry to my wife and children first. God brought me to a place of deep brokenness and repentance. I confessed and acknowledged the broken state of my life to God, repented to my wife and children. Then God began to graciously rebuild my family on the firm foundation of his word and his grand purpose for our lives. I began to lead my family spiritually and began to practice the practice of family worship together at home. It was not too late for me to turn my heart to my family. It's not too late for you. Hmm. I think when I read this story, obviously it hits home at me being a pastor. To be able to honestly say, my life lines up with God. Now the, the truth is that Rob had to change, or things would change. There was neglect in his life that he, he thought he was living out the right way for God, but what happened? Who revealed the problem to him? No person, no man, no woman, but the Holy Spirit himself, God spoke to me, he said. <laughs> God, hello, God spoke to me. Now I wonder how many times you've had that same feeling, something inside of you said, I need to change. I'm not living how Jesus said I should live. I'm not living how God wants me to live. And I wonder how many times you've said, I don't care. I'm going to continue down that same path. You see, the work of the Holy Spirit is given in your life so it can bring restoration. He said, my family was actually broken. But because I changed the way I was thinking, I changed my life by giving myself completely to God and doing things the way that God said, things began to change and restoration was brought to my family. And here's the deal. God's speaking to us will always lead to a blessing in your life when we obey. Always. Every single time. And Christian, you might think, I have not ever heard the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's because you've been quenching or grieving. You don't want to, want to even discuss or think about the Holy Spirit. I don't know about this Holy Spirit. It's a bit scary. It's a bit spooky. It's not spooky. If you believe in Jesus, you have to believe in the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he is exactly like me. It's not a mystery. The Holy Spirit's character and grace and power is not a mystery. He represents Christ. He is Christ on earth, living in us. His character, his essence, everything about the Holy Spirit is exactly the same as Jesus. And you want to believe in Jesus? Then you must believe in the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Jesus. He's also called God's Spirit.
How about this morning you think about that in your life? Have you been scared about the Holy Spirit? I'm just going to offer a time in a minute where you can come up and we just pray, God, fill someone with the Holy Spirit. Do you have the Holy Spirit if you're born again? Absolutely, 100%. But I'd say that you can receive a different experience when you open up your life to him. Jesus in John breathed on the disciples and he said, here, receive the Holy Spirit. It said he breathed on them. Yet at the same time, he told the disciples to wait in the upper room until the Spirit came. How's that possible? But didn't they already have the Holy Spirit? See, the thing is that we can open ourselves up to the fullness of the Spirit in our life. We can also quench the Holy Spirit. We can always push that work down. Sometimes you might even get a voice and you don't even know it because you've never been aware that the Holy Spirit's actually speaking to you and it's like... You need to do this. And you just think, I don't know why I thought that. Open up your ears, your spiritual ears, to hear what he's saying. What area of your life is he speaking to you about in your relationships, your job, the way you, you walk with integrity? What, what, what is it that God's speaking to you in? See, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to just change the way you act. He wants to change the way you think so that you automatically act that way. Driven in purpose and power by the Holy Spirit living inside of you, a deep work to change. And you might think, I can't change. You are 100% right. But God can change you. Stop trying so hard, guys. Seriously. I can't change. I'm always going to be an angry person. Rubbish. It's the funniest thing when the, when the Holy Spirit starts to reveal to you who you are in Jesus. How many of you say, oh, I can't do that. I'm too shy. What a load of rubbish. Who identified that in you? Oh, my mum and dad, they said I'm shy. My friends said I'm shy. Really? Well, the Holy Spirit never said that. The Holy Spirit said the righteous are as bold as a lion. We either believe it or we don't. Oh, yeah, but I'm always going to be depressed and never going to make it. Who said that? Did Jesus say it? As far as I am aware, Jesus said, Hey, guys, I'm going, but I'm going to leave you my joy. leave my joy <laughs> and the kingdom of God is not what you eat or drink but peace and joy through the Holy Ghost you know how many times we, we absolutely believe rubbish I've believed it at times but this is where the Holy Spirit comes and changes the way you think not because you're trying so hard to do positive affirmation you stand in front of the mirror I'm so good I'm so good everyone loves me no it's not going to work. Because as soon as someone says something mean to you, they don't love you no more. But when the Holy Spirit works inside of you and says, I'm telling you right now, Neil, you're the Son of God. I'm telling you right now, Neil, that before you were even formed, I saw you. 
telling you right now, Neil, when you were in your mother's womb, I knitted you together. I formed you. It's a different story. It's a different story because we're now not receiving anything of the world's wisdom. We're receiving this confirmation from the Holy Spirit of God that says the Word of God is true and the Spirit will reveal those promises to you. Yeah, but I'm just a thief. I can't change that. Rubbish. Oh, I'm just a sinner. Sorry, you're not. You were a sinner saved by grace. You ain't a sinner anymore. You can choose to sin, but you're not a sinner. The whole thing is that the transformation inside of us and the word that, that says transformation is like that metamorphosis, like a caterpillar in the cocoon where there's some work done. I'm pretty sure the caterpillar doesn't know what's going on. It's not sitting in there going, right now I'm just going to grow some wings and now I'm going to do this and, and trying really hard to do it. It's just locked away in that secret place. Out of prying eyes, protected from the world by this cocoon that surrounds it. And, and you know, that's like what it is with God, with the Holy Spirit, that secret place. And if you're not finding that secret place, you won't have change. Prayer is so powerful. That conversation with God, that time you set apart to read the word, to pray. As you do it, and I love how Jesus says when you go to pray, pray in your closet where God who is already there, already there, waiting for you. He's preparing this place for you where he can cover you with his love, where you can open up to him and say, Holy Spirit, change me. I can't do this. And he's saying, let God transform you by changing the way you think. This is his work. The powerful work of the Holy Spirit moving in your life. Find that place. Surrender to him. First of all, surrender to him. And I just want to leave that open this morning for that prayer for anyone. The prayer. All I'm asking you to come up for today is this. And I pray, or whoever prays for you will be this. Today, God, I surrender to you. Everything of who I am. I present myself a living sacrifice to you. I'm dying to me. I'm dying to me. Flow through me, Lord Jesus. And stand and sing and we'll have the front open and all I'm asking today is if you feel like you haven't changed you're not changing that you haven't actually surrendered to God come up this morning hold your hands up <laughs> so I love worship it's just like you know war movies I give up I surrender and in worship sometimes we do that don't we I surrender I surrender to you God Come in, change me, make me who I'm meant to be.